your desires, your passions, your perspective may be from the people around you. And I think that this is both a blessing and a curse. A blessing because, uh, because of different preferences and perspectives, there are different options in this world. There are more, I see lots of colors out here today. And, and because people have chose a different preference or desire, that is what you chose to wear. There, we have lots of options in this world. But it, it can be a, a curse because it can lead to arguments and fights and disagreements and uh, people not getting along. And so today, I mean, just for example, think of today. What are you doing for lunch? What are you doing? Who, who's going home to eat? Okay, what's at home to eat? Do you got to stop at the grocery store? Do you have leftovers in the fridge? Or are you going to do the, the good staple food of cereal uh, like a lot of people like to do? Don't know what to do. Or who wants to go out to eat? Uh, well, what are you in the mood for? Do you want burgers? Do you want chicken? Do you want Mexican? Do you, do you want Chinese? And if you had a family of any amount of people, there can be a disagreement of where we're going to go eat well, they don't have anything there I like. And, uh, and so somebody is likely frustrated over where you went out to eat. Does this recall any conversation? I hope I'm not going to start any fights here. But uh, differencing of views, perspectives, uh, can, can, can be a blessing and a curse. It can cause arguments, like I said, and some people unhappy. Now, when there's differing of opinions, perspectives, views, who's, who wins? Parents or kids? Teacher or students? Coach or players? Boss or employees? Husbands or... No, we're not going to go there. <laughs> we're not going to go there. No, when it comes to this, who wins the, the decisions? The, the, Getting married, having kids, going to work, all those things really puts us in places where unselfishness is really needed, isn't it? I, I know uh, when, when I was young, single, man, whatever money I had in my pocket, I could do with whatever I wanted. And then I got married and my wife used this word, budget. I was like, What? It was foreign to me because if I had $20 in my pocket, I could go out to eat, I could, you know, get some bait and go fishing, I could do whatever. Now I had to be in agreement with somebody else over how that money got spent. And so uh, my wife is very incredible with our finances, and so it didn't take me long to agree with her on those things. But when it comes to life... Uh, we many times have to live very open-minded when it comes to uh, agreeing on things like lunch, what are we all going to have, and, and things like that. And so today I want us to just look at uh, being in agreement. There's one person that's most important to be in agreement with. Yeah. One person. One person we need to be in, in agreement with. In Matthew chapter 16, we're going to see Peter wasn't in agreement with the, some things Jesus was talking about. And, and Peter uh, vocalizes those things. And so we're going to read three verses here to start out. Matthew 16, it says, uh, From them, 
From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Well, that's a tough word right there. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, I, I couldn't imagine being one of Jesus' disciples and, and watching him heal people and, and preach and lots of people get saved and even demon-possessed uh, people would come to him and he'd cast them out and they'd sit there, peace of mind. And yet, all of a sudden, Jesus is, we don't know if this is days, weeks, or, or months leading up to the events that would happen in the final week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem where he would be crucified and then later rise from the dead but Jesus starts to try to prepare his disciples. These things are going to happen. These things are going to happen. And Jesus is starting to talk about suffering and death and things that most people don't really enjoy talking about. Things that make people uncomfortable. And yet Jesus is trying to let his disciples know there's going to be some hard days ahead. And Peter's had enough of this. You got to stop talking like this. Heaven forbid. He reprimands the Lord. Could you imagine the nerve to reprimand Jesus? I mean, after seeing everything that he did, that you would come and approach Jesus and, and reprimand him, that would be quite, quite a sight. But Peter, we, we see through Scripture, wasn't afraid to use his words Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, we, we read in the scriptures, one of the three closest. And I think Peter was well-meaning. It's just like, you got to quit talking all this suffering, all this death, all this pain, all this torment. Have you ever said that to somebody? you got to quit talking all negative like this. I think he was well-meaning in what he was trying to do, but Peter rejected it all and said it's never going to happen. He forbid it and he declared that, that, he, that the things that, that Jesus explained should never happen. You know that living a life for God, for Jesus, following him and his ways, his plans can often cause people around us to wonder what in the world we're thinking. What in the world are you talking about? Couples that wait to have sexual relations until they get married are missing out. They're crazy. They're weird. People that give hundreds, thousands, some even, they have the capability, millions of dollars to nonprofits or missions or, or church things. Are, they're, they're insane. Why could you give such money? You could use that. You can invest. You can leave it for your kids, your grandkids, whatever. And it doesn't matter how much it really is. People just like, how can you give that away? People that leave good-paying jobs to go work at a nonprofit or to go on the mission field or do whatever God is leading them to do, people think they have they lost their minds. 
And so this is nothing new, and it's continued since Peter to think that people that are running after God, the ways of God, are going to be misunderstood, are they not? A lot of times by uh, definitely people outside the church, but sometimes by even people inside the church. They're not going to understand why are you doing those things? Why are you following those ways? And so they get misunderstood. There can be confusion that people have looking at your life. They can start mocking you. They can start judging you. And they can even be hostile toward people that are trying to follow Jesus and his plans. Trying to trip them up and trying to to cause things to to fall apart. Sometimes it's from well-meaning people like Peter. I believe he was well-meaning and saying, Lord, this is just nonsense. But other times it comes intentionally from people that are out to discourage and wreck, wreck other people's lives, especially followers of Christ. Now, in these moments, you have to decide if following God is what he said in his word and what he spoke to your heart is going to be important. Is going to continue to guide you and lead you. And I believe that's the most important thing. You're going to have to decide how you're going to want to live, especially when pressure comes. The choice is going to be yours. Now, after Peter got done trying to set Jesus straight, he thought he was in the right. He thought he was doing the right thing. Jesus turns the tables. Jesus sets him straight. Have you ever tried to set somebody straight and then you got... It's like, you were the one out of touch. You were the one out of whack. And yet, so Jesus rebukes the words of Peter. He rejects the words that he spoke. He says, get away from me, Satan. That's, that's like calling somebody a devil, you little devil, or whatever it is. He is using a strong word here, a strong term. Get away from me. And some versions say, get behind me. Why is he saying that? Why? Because I'm on a mission. I'm on a focus. I'm heading somewhere. God has spoken to me. God is directing me. And you're in my way. The next thing he says is you're, you're going to cause me to stumble or you're, you are a dangerous trap to me. This word trap actually means uh, you're, you're, I'm going to trip or I'm going to stumble on something and I'm going to fall and then I'm going to lose focus. I might get injured. I'm going I'm to fall away from where God wanted. And so God, Jesus tells Peter, get away from me. Get behind me. Don't be a stumbling block for me. I don't want to trip. I don't want to stumble. I want to do what God wants me to do. And then the last thing he said here is, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. In other words, he's saying, Peter, what you are saying is not in agreement. It's not in alignment. This is not God speaking through you to me because it does not line up with what he's spoken to me. And sometimes there will be people, there will be situations where that happens. You'll have to determine whose plans you're going to follow. Whose dreams are you going to follow? Whose uh, desires, whose choices are you going to follow? And you've got to determine, is your life and those things lining up with what God wants? Now, this doesn't, I, it's, it's easy to tell this to students because they're, they're facing the pressures of, of, of uh, teenage life, the peer pressure and things like that. They're, they're trying to dream about where their life will head after high school and where to go to college. But, the, but adults, God still has plans and purposes for us. He has desires for us. He has choices he wants you to make. 
And there will be things, there will be people along the way that will trip us up or attempt to trip us up, cause us to maybe stumble and, and miss out. And we've got we've to determine that we're going to follow him and his ways no matter what the cost, no matter how many people are, are cheering for us or how many people are not. Now, how do you discover his plans and his ways? Well, number one, the Bible. The Word of God is going to tell you some of those ways. He's going to tell us a general, a general way of living, a general decisions on which to make. And so he's going to guide us that way. But I believe God also gets very personal. God wants to talk to you. God wants to share with you. God wants to give you dreams and visions. God wants to give you promptings. And sometimes you might hear a whisper, an audible voice, or something in your mind. God will sometimes lead people to your path and into your life that have a word from him. And so God wants to talk to us. And here's something about when God talks to us. They will always line up with the word of God. It will never cause you to stray from what God says. It will cause us to follow his way even more closely and more specifically. Now, I had a student uh, that came to church here. His, his family wasn't a church-going family, but, but he came to church, and he graduated, and he moved on, and he moved to another place here in Wisconsin. And he called me one night. Pastor Mike, life is really hard. This adulting thing's kicking my butt. I, I'm not feeling God the way I used to. I used to feel God love me and care for me and whatever. And I just, I got pretty blunt with them. I said, are you living with your girlfriend? Yeah. Isn't she pregnant? Going to have your kid? Yeah. And I'm just like, you're living in a way that it's hard for God to bless. It. You're making choices that, that you have stumbled, you have fallen, you, you were on a good path, you were, you were free and, and you, were, you were unburdened, you were just had things going your way, then you started making choices. He was no longer in agreement with what God had for him and therefore he was suffering and he was struggling and I wasn't very sympathetic. I mean, I still loved him, I prayed for him, I told him, I said, if you would do these things, you'd, you'd start to be close to God again. But those choices were hard for him to make. So God wants to talk to us, God wants to, to help us. Life is best lived when in alignment and agreement with him. It's good when your husband and wife agree. The home can have peace, the, the home can be in a direction, the home can be unified. How much better to be in alignment and at peace with God? Amen. How much better that we are following God's plans and purposes for our lives? Jesus was, was in alignment, but Peter wasn't. But Peter got aligned, did you know that? This reprimand Jesus gave him got him aligned. It's pretty cool because in Acts chapter 5, after Jesus uh, ascended to heaven, he was no longer here. Peter was preaching. 
Peter was telling people about Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And, and in Acts chapter 5, Peter found himself thrown in prison and, and they got out. He, or he's thrown in jail. And then they got out and you know what? They were like, oh man, we can't do this no more. He got out and he said, we're going to start telling people about Jesus. Well, in Acts chapter 5, it tells us that after they got back out, they went to preaching and I'll read it here. i got to find my place. It says, The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they didn't want to stir. They, didn't, they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in man, this man's name? That he demanded, instead you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. Then Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Peter got it. The reprimand he got from the Lord where God basically told him, I'm following God's plan, God's path, God's desires for me. Peter got it. He got it. Do we get it? Do we get it? Now, my family has uh, been very uh, intentional about trying to hear God's voice, especially recently. My kids are close to graduation and those steps in life of what to do next and God lead and God desire. And so we've been praying real specific, God, help us hear your voice. We want to follow whatever you have for us. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I found out I was going to be pre preaching on this Sunday, and I told my wife about it, and she said, okay, well, God's been nudging me that next time you preach, Callie should share a story that she's recently uh, experienced. And so I was like, okay, well, we're trying to hear your voice. We're wanting to be led by you. Well, around that same time, God spoke to my daughter Callie and said, prepare your testimony. Prepare your story. And so Callie's going to come at this time and uh, share, share a part of a, a story of something that's recently gone on with her life. And so here you go. Okay. I'm living in one of those moments right now where God just did something so big in my life and I really, really want to share it with everyone. Um, one of the many things I've learned through everything I'm going to share is that obedience is the greatest form of worship. Um, I'm sharing with you today because I felt God opened this door, and I wish that everyone could feel the way I feel right now, and I want to share what I had to go through to get to this place. This past summer, I wanted to focus on making some new friends and making my relationship with God a priority. I was on a good start. I would do devotions, and I would find a good place to worship God, but when the enemy sees you doing good, he'll send in distractions to throw you off track. My distraction was a boy. I had been praying for a friend, and he just so conveniently came into my life at the perfect time. We started spending time with each other, opening up, being vulnerable, and getting really close. Our friendship was so special, but the friendship that God intended to be good for me slowly changed because of my own choices. I became distracted. My main focus was no longer growing my relationship with God, but growing my relationship with this boy. From the outside, we looked like that Christian couple every little church girl dreamed of being someday. Going to watch sunset to do devotions, going for drives, singing worship music together, praying together on FaceTime every night before bed, and sending each other our favorite 
Bible verses we found each day and going to church together. This is everything I wanted. I thought that Jesus was at the center of our relationship and looking back, we started off strong, but the devil had different plans. Sometimes you're gonna be in a place where God gives you everything you need, but you're not in a firm place in your faith to resist worldly temptations. This can cause you to make decisions that will ruin what he has for given you. This is exactly what I did. I wasn't content with a friendship. I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted. And this was my mindset from that point on. I want. I want to see him tonight. So I'd ask my parents if I could, and if they said no, I would say I'm doing something else and go see him anyways. The relationship became sneaky and hidden. Proverbs 28:13 says, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. If you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. We hid our sin, letting it consume us, filling us with a worldly desire for each other, leading us down an unsuccessful path. Although it started off as a blessing from God and answered prayer, we no longer looked to him for guidance or for control. Instead, we walked away from his plan to fulfill our own, putting him to the side without even realizing it. We took things into our own hands because we wanted to, and it caused us to sin and fall short of God's glory. I disobeyed my parents continually and overlooked all the advice I had been given about this situation. I was in a place where he was all I wanted. God's called me to be in youth ministry, and instead of planning for that, I was planning the wedding date. I let myself change the plans that God placed on my heart for the things that he so clearly spoke to me because of how far I let myself get in this relationship. I oftentimes felt guilty for the decisions we were making and the things we were doing, but I've learned that once you ignore those initial feelings just once, it becomes so easy to ignore and again and again moving forward. We can become so accustomed to our sins that the feeling of sorrow and grief no longer follow those decisions. A little while later, after we had gone down the wrong path further, my parents found out. The Lord spoke to my mother and she discerned that something was wrong. They confronted me and I lied. A couple minutes later, she came to me again and that's when I gave in. I felt like I lost everything that night. I was so angry. I was angry with my parents. I was angry with God and I was angry with myself for getting caught. The next few days, I wasn't in contact with this boy or anyone much except for over the home phone. The only hope of fixing everything was to move out. I planned everything. I packed everything in a way I thought my parents wouldn't notice. I started making a list of things I needed to get and things I needed to bring. I found new jobs that covered health insurance and I was ready to sell my truck to get some extra cash to start off with. I planned staying home and going to youth convention the weekend after my 18th birthday and then I would take off my 4 a.m. shift the next Friday and I would leave. I had no remorse. I, I couldn't stand what my parents were taking away from me, and my hatred for them exploded over those few days. I was on the closet floor crying and packing. I felt uneasy, and my heart started aching. I felt the Spirit of God throughout my body tell me no. It wasn't an audible voice I heard, but it was a physical and spiritual feeling, and it flowed throughout my body. It was a feeling of urgency. My heart started sinking, and I knew what he meant, but I didn't want to believe it. And that's where my fight with God started again. 
I twisted what I knew he meant to what I wanted to hear, and I went looking for advice. Instead of no, it was do it right this time. That same day, I went to a movie, and the main character had many similarities, and it caught my attention. The character, the character tried so hard to convince himself that his friendship was good just because he wanted it so bad. I don't believe in coincidences, but divine encounters, and I know God put me in that movie theater, that room, to hear and let those words stir in my mind. I went to Catherine the next day, and I told her that I'm going to move out and that I'm going to try to think, fix things with this boy by putting up boundaries and doing it right this time. What I didn't know was that the same day that my parents found out, God woke Catherine up in the middle of the night to pray for me. God told her not to sugarcoat anything the next time we talked, and she didn't. <laughs> I was broken by the end of our conversation, and I knew that God's no meant not moving out, not staying in the relationship, and not running away from his best for me. I was torn between the truth and my own way, and I was convicted for hiding the truth of the urgency in his no. I went home. I broke down and told my parents that I knew I had to let go. I had to let go of my sin and focus on my relationship with God again. And I had to let him do, let him do what he desired, but it wasn't that easy. I still kept in touch with this boy for two days after those moments, and that's when it really hit hard. I started questioning, why would God answer my prayer to bring him into my life if he was just going to take him away? Why can't I plan my future with him and do it my own way? Why can't I have a relationship with God and this relationship? Why is everyone telling me what to do, and why can't I make my own decisions? The enemy was attacking me hard. I felt the need to meet up with Catherine again and worship at the church. We sat in a room, prayed, journaled, and sang. I felt empty, like I wasn't receiving anything and that God was ignoring me. I got mad, sad, anxious, confused, and felt physically sick. I was angry with God again. Not only did he make me feel this pain, but he's not telling me what to do now. A verse God later put on my heart to reflect on was Proverbs 19.3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. What a process God put me through. The next day, I tried to justify my plans. I was talking to my parents and was telling them that I felt like I could still be with him and grow my relationship with God, just doing it differently than before. I sensed this feeling, the urgency again, to completely stop. The day before, Catherine had told me to date the Holy Spirit, so I made the hard decision to end communication as long as we were in the relationship together. This would allow me to give God all the attention that I used to give the boy, but instead to the Lord. I wanted to blame it on my parents at first, but I felt like I needed to take a step in faith and show him that even though people were giving me advice and telling me what to do, that I can make hard decisions for God. I didn't know why this was happening or how this was all going to turn out, but I was going to try to trust. I prayed, and I still pray that understanding would come both to me and this boy. I wrote this long message out. I was fighting. I was fighting the spirit for what my flesh wanted. And the hardest, it was the hardest thing I have ever done. And nothing in, nothing in me wanted to end the message, to send that message to end things. But I knew that I had to. I sat in my mom's arms on the couch, bawling. I have never felt so much pain in my entire life.
I took my phone with the message written out and I went in my room and prayed. I was crying on my bed, asking God what to do, if my words were good enough. And in that moment, God told me to get off my bed and get on my knees. He told me to lift up my hands and as I did, I saw him in front of me, standing on my bed, reaching his arms down and holding my hands. I've never felt such a comfort and I knew God was there for me and that from here on out, he would have my back. I knew that I had made the right decision and I sent the message, I gave it to God. And I went to bed that night with a softened heart. The next morning, I had a totally unexpected joy. At work, I, w I felt total peace and I received a text that was totally unexpected. Isaac Till reached out and said he was praying for me and that God gave him words. And when I tell you that these words in this big long message he sent me were exactly what I needed to hear, I'm telling the truth. I was overwhelmed with excitement and I got up and instantly told my boss. I started crying with joy and in that moment, I knew even more that I had made the right decision. Every time I think of this, I'm stunned with amazement. How God can instantly change your heart, your circumstance, if you just let him in and just obey him. I felt more pain fighting God than giving it away, giving it all up and handing it over to him. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If, if, you want, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You have to trade your control for trust. You have to trade your selfishness for selflessness. Trade fitting in for faithfulness. And trade your comfort for a cause. And you have to pick up your cross. I was holding on to my future, my plans, my feelings, so tight, and I had a death grip around this boy because I didn't want to let go. You can't receive what God has for you if you're holding on to it with closed hands. You have to loosen your grip on these things and let him change things, remove things so he can give you something new and make you into someone new. Maybe you're like I was. You have something you're not willing to give up, but you're now starting to feel like it's no longer right or not what God wants for you. I'm telling you again, it hurts more to fight God and his will for you than it does to open your hands and let God take control. It'll hurt. It'll be hard either way, so you have to choose your hard. You, have, you can walk away from God's will and his provision and continue down your own path, but this will guarantee trials and hurt. If you follow the Lord, listen to his promptings, and follow his path, he will fill, fill you with blessings and he'll provide for you. Either way, whatever you choose, he'll be there for you. Your obedience to the things he asks of you is important. Who are we to ask him for things if we don't even listen to what he asks from us? The Lord is a gentleman. He won't force us to listen. He won't force us to give him control or give anything up. But if you felt the feeling that I felt that night and that I felt ever since, it wouldn't even be a question. You wouldn't even question what to do, holding on wouldn't even be an option, and you'd give him anything and do anything for him in a heartbeat. I'm not saying just because you love him, surrender things, or follow his words, that it'll be easy. 
I planned my future out with this boy. I can't just forget everything, and it hurts not knowing if the things I planned are ever going to happen. But even though there are hard days, God continues to show up, confirming my choices again and again, giving me a peace that drowns every other feeling, and it makes it easier to surrender and move forward in healing with God. Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. This can look differently for everyone, but I know and believe that God will be there for you in an evident way if you long for him and long for his will. It's been almost five weeks since I made the decision to let go and to continue listening to him with everything moving forward. And let me tell you, I have never felt his presence surrounding me so much. I've never heard him talking to me so clear, and I've never wanted to share his word and what he's done in my life more than I have in these past few weeks. I'm such a different person compared to five weeks ago. And even though I felt like I was losing my whole life, my everything, I couldn't be more thankful for going through all I did to get here today. Again, obedience is the greatest form of worship. Not only is your obedience important for yourself, but it's important for others too. If Catherine would have ignored the Holy Spirit telling her not to sugarcoat and instead she was telling me it would be a good idea to move out, I would be in a very different place right now. Or if Isaac didn't send me the text of what the Lord was speaking to him about, I might have regretted my decision and felt no confirmation afterwards. Along with Jackie coming to pray for me one Sunday after I had just gotten done asking God to send her to me. Or Chloe, who also woke up the same night that Catherine did to pray for me. God has a purpose for each thing he asks us to do. If God is good, then surely his plan is too. We have a church full of people right now, and I guarantee there's people fighting fighting God's plan, or fighting for what you want. And I hope that something in what I spoke today meant something to those people. The process will be hard, and it's going to be a commitment, a challenge, but God will bless you and provide for you if you're obedient. I pray right now that each one of you in this room would feel the Holy Spirit as powerfully as I did. I pray that you'd be set on fire for God and that you wouldn't just be willing to give up yourself for him, but that you would want to give up everything for him. I pray that God will reveal his goodness to you and that you'd be filled with his love, his peace, his joy. And I know he will provide and guide you when you allow him to work inside of you. Amen. Hopefully that, uh, that encourages somebody here today that is struggling. You're fighting God. We've all had moments where we fight God. Let's just be honest. We've all had moments. Some of them are... are longer fights or more of a struggle than others, but we all fight God. And today, my encouragement to you through, through the word and through Callie's story is uh, get in agreement with him. God has plans. He has purposes for us. He'll show you in his word. If you haven't been getting into your word, get into it and he will show you. He will guide you. He'll direct you. He'll help you with those choices. And then listen. Listen. Be intentional about listening. God can show up sporadically uh, here and there, but I believe he honors when you are consistent in prayer and meditation and worship. He shows up when you carve out time for him to be involved in your life. And so today we're going we're gonna to close. You wanna? Christy's going to come. She had, she had written a song a few years ago through... through uh, something that we were going through, and she's going she's gonna to play this song. And during this song, you can 
just do business with God. If you've been fighting him about something, let God start to soften your heart. Let God talk to you. Let him reignite a, a passion to obey and follow what he has for you. And so my encouragement is what, whatever God lays on your heart to do in these moments, make it your seat of an altar. Come and, and make an altar up front. Whatever it is, make an altar uh, during this time. And when Christy's done, if the worship team could uh, be ready to come back up, we're going to enter a time of worship and the prayer team will come for today. And, and let's just uh, spend time with what God has for us.